And in just a few moments, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> but before we go there, I'll just be asking you to go ahead and turn your electronic devices and your Bibles, and I'll ask you to leave it open there after we get done praying. The pressures of life, the cares associated with living in this fallen world, the strain that relationships are under, it leaves so many with anxiety, stress, and even physical maladies. As you would probably know, pastors receive feedback on messages, and mostly positive, a good job, or enjoy that here and there. But a couple of weeks back, we asked the question, is there a cure for worry? The response that morning and that following week, the feedback from that message was, was very impacting for me, very moving. Several days after Sunday, I was still receiving communication about it. People, good people, Christian people, are dealing with a tremendous amount of pressure in their lives. It becomes worrisome. It becomes overwhelming. One dear sister told me that Sunday morning, she looked at me and she said, I am done worrying. I left it at the altar. Man, that just, that really impacted me. I texted her later in the week to tell her how encouraging that was to me. And she texted me back. It was about four days later. And she said, I've been fighting with temptation to slip back into worry ever since Sunday. But I'm not giving in to it. If I have to keep replaying Sunday's message over and over again, I will do it. Why? Because it's a dogfight. It's a bitter battle to live worry-free. And so in prayer this week, as in my heart, the Spirit of God led me to talk to you simply on the thought of peace today. Got your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 2. And again, it's important for you to leave it open after we're done reading. But if you'll stand and let's read a few verses from Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to begin reading at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off 
are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, watch this, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain, slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Father, we bless you today. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your touch. I need your strength. I need your power. I need your anointing. Lord, you tell us there's a river that flows from the throne room of God. And I'm asking, Lord, today that you would just let that river flow through this house over every heart, every soul, every mind. May we receive the Word of God and may it change us for eternity and for the rest of our natural days that we live on this earth. We give you praise and glory and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is the priceless commodity that we all seek after. And yet for many, the thought of having and living with peace seems to elude them. We fail at grabbing onto peace, and if we do happen to grab a hold of some peace and repose, it seems that before too long, peace has kind of slipped through our fingers, therefore sending us on the hunt yet once again for peace and serenity. Some folks believe that peace is the quiet that surrounds us, and so they escape to the mountains or to the waves of the ocean. I've heard or read some of you say, uh, it's my happy place. If I can get to the, the sands of the ocean and sink my toes into it, I don't know what it is about toes and sand. Some go to the forest. They go camping where they can be out in nature looking for some relief of the stress that their daily lives consist of. Peace and quiet. Sharon Fleming wrote that when she was a teenager, she said, our family took cross-country trips each summer. And to, quote, keep the peace in the family, we each took a turn choosing a cassette. For those of you young folks, that was something we used to play in the car. We take turns choosing a cassette to play in the car tape deck. No one was allowed to complain or comment about another's choice. So Sharon Fleming wrote, she said, My mother liked to listen to hymns. So for 90 minutes of our trip, we would listen to hymns. She said, I chose contemporary Christian music. So for 90 minutes, we would listen to Christian contemporary music. 
She said, my younger brother preferred Christian rock music. And so for 90 minutes, we listened to Christian rock music. She said, and dad, well, he thought the best thing was a 90-minute cassette tape that was still blank. (laughs) He literally had a blank tape that was 90 minutes long that he put into the cassette player looking for peace. Warren Wiersbe shared this historical fact. Between 1500 B.C. and A.D. 850, there were 7,500 eternal covenants agreed upon among various nations with the hope of bringing peace. But no covenant out of 7,500, no covenant lasted longer than two years. Let that sink in for a moment. May I just declare to you today that nations have not the ability to make or keep peace. Can I tell you, mankind with his education and philosophies and ideologies cannot make or keep peace. It has been debated that the United States of America is one, if not the strongest military power in the world with all of its arsenals and and artilleries and capabilities. But this country that I love cannot make and cannot keep peace. Ever since I've been old enough to to remember and keep up with current events, we have sent ambassadors and secretaries of state to to bring peace between the Jews and the the Arabs. And every time they, they take two steps forward, they take three steps backwards. And the reason for that is because there's no one on this earth that is able to bring peace between Jews and the Arabs. Mankind and governments and world powers simply cannot bring peace. And yet I say that, but the Bible admonishes us and commands us to live in a perpetual state of peace. It is not God's will. It is not God's plan for you to live in constant upheaval and restlessness. Rather, it is God's will and God's plan for you to live in constant and perpetual and continuous peace. That's why Paul would write in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, he would say, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's why he would, he would, he would teach us in the Word of God. And I have always taught and I've always believed that the fruit of the Spirit that we are to bear in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, they're all supposed to be on the trees of our lives, all nine fruit. And one of those significant fruit is that of peace. We're not only supposed to be peacemakers and and peacekeepers, but we are supposed to manifest peace in every day of our life and and, and in our relationships with one another and, and living, yes, in this fallen world. And we see in the Word of God that if you're a resident of His kingdom, that His kingdom is not of this world. But Romans 14 and 17, the scripture tells us that as citizens of his kingdom, we are to have righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. 
Now let me just stop here and tell you today that if you are present and you are not a Christian, a complete, sold-out, devoted follower of Jesus more than anyone else in this room, you are on a hunt for peace. You may be looking in a liquor bottle or you may be looking in a chat room or you may be looking on a porn site or you may be looking uh, for peace in an illicit or improper relationship. You may be looking to prescription or illegal drugs, but the scripture says to you today, lost friend, Isaiah 48 and 22 says, there is no peace, says the Lord, unto the wicked. Boy, that word wicked is a strong word. It's a powerful word. It's a grabbing word. And you may even be sitting here today and your heart is not right with Jesus. You may be watching online and your heart is not right with Jesus. And maybe you think that's that's, that word is very strong, but, but let me tell you, as a preacher of the gospel, I, I must share the love of God, and I must share the truth of God, and I cannot afford to be politically correct. I've got to preach the whole counsel of Almighty God, and the Bible calls unbelieving people wicked. Isaiah 59 and 2 tells us that the wicked do not know the way of peace. Isaiah 57 and 20 says the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest and its waters only cast up mire and, and dirt. And you may be here and you, you know things are not right between you and the Lord and, and, and the, the Holy Spirit may be nailing you today uh, and you may be saying, I am the wicked, and I am desperate to find peace. Can I find peace? Is there such a peace that can be had for everything that's going on in my life? But here's added truth today. It's not only the unsaved in the room, but I know for a fact that there are believers that need to embrace this word this morning that I'm sharing with you. And you need to rediscover the peace that you embraced in your heart so, so long ago. I know there are Christians, good people that love God, but their life is constant turmoil and they can't settle down. They can't rest at night. They can't sleep. They get up in the morning after trying to survive on two or three hours of sleep because they're constantly in upheaval about the pressures that are going on around them. Is there such a peace? I'm telling you right now, the God that gives us peace is also the God that gives us sleep and it is God God's will for you to get your rest every night of your life. Can someone say amen? Well, how do I find such peace? How do I find such peace? Well, friend, there is but one word. There is but one name. There is but one person that can give you peace. And, and that you are so desperately looking for. It's not cliche. It's just not something that we habitually say. It is the undeniable truth for Christians and sinners alike, for believers and unbelievers, for righteous and the wicked. There is but one name. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Now we look in the scripture that we shared with you this morning. We see the first thing about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2 is that he created peace. In verse 15 of the scripture text, the scripture said that he made peace. And that's where we get the word created. 
He created peace. Colossians 1.16, did you know this? That by, by Jesus were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. That's what the scripture says. What that tells us is that we know what Genesis 1 says. It says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But don't you think for one minute Jesus was absent. Jesus was very much present in creation and in all of the wonderful creations that, that came from the hand of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful that he did not leave out the element of peace. I'm glad that he created peace just as much as he created the trees and the grass and the oceans. I'm glad he created peace. And you say, well, how did he create peace? Well, he, he didn't create peace the way that you think maybe it should have been done or, or was done. Rather, the peace that Jesus created, he cre it happened through the violent act of crucifixion. That's how peace came to be. You see, the scripture tells us there was an enmity. There was a chasm. There was a separation between man and God. There were laws and ordinances that man could not adhere to. Commandments that we continually broke in our own strength and left us with this great gulf that separated us from God. Ephesians 2 and verse 12 says we were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. We had no hope and we were without God in this world. Let me tell you what I just read to you. A description of someone that is living without peace. There's no peace in their heart. But verse 13 says but now in Christ Jesus you who sometimes were far off have been made nigh or near by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. What I'm preaching today is that the day Jesus died, it may have seemed like nothing was happening except that three dead corpses hung from a cross. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. Oh yes, the earth did quake. Oh yes, the rocks were tore asunder. The sky did turn black. The veil was torn from top to bottom in the temple. A lot certainly did happen. But I submit to you this morning that when when he said it is finished and when he said into your hands I commend my spirit I dare say that is when peace was created and that's when we were all reconciled to God by the cross having slain the separation and enmity thereby I want, I want you to get this in your mind's eye that those hands that formed the world and those hands that scooped out the valleys and molded the mountains. Those hands that were actively involved in separating the land from the water and the sky from the earth. Those hands that were there were the same hands that were nailed to an old rugged cross. Those creative hands. But peace wasn't created by forming. Oh no, quite the contrary. Peace was created when he stretched out his hands and said, I love of my people and I'm willing to give my life for their redemption when he stretched out his hand peace was created so you and I wouldn't have to live restless in this world thank God Jesus created peace through the cross hallelujah
hands that freely formed the stars and put them in place and hands that created the sun as a greater light and the moon as a lesser light. Hands that freely formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life and said, this creation is very good. Those hands could only be create peace for man's soul by being nailed and riveted and bound to an old rugged cross. Peace wasn't created in Genesis chapter 1. Peace was created in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see, friend, sin is the great separator. Sin has been dividing people from God and each other since the beginning of time. I'm going to step out on a limb here. When a relationship is divided, sin is present. Well, they just don't see things the way I do. I don't see things the way that. I'm not talking about a, a minor disagreement. Well, because I'm mad at them, I'm not going to talk to them for seven days. Because of our disagreement. Oh, I still love them, but I ain't talking to them. Friend, you're sinning. It's called holding a grudge. Sin is the great separator. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from each other. And with separation comes trouble. And with separation comes stress. And with separation comes division. And for sure when there's separation, there is an absence of peace. But Colossians 1.20 tells us, that Jesus made or created peace through his blood. Romans 5.1 tells us, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He created peace. I had never thought about that before. I always associate all creation with Genesis. But peace wasn't created until Jesus, the Creator, died as the Savior. But He didn't just create peace. Oh, no. He preached peace. In that same chapter, verse 17 says, Jesus came and preached peace. It became the message of His of his mouth, of his heart, to those with troubled lives. He created peace, and then when he came to this earth, he preached peace. He bestowed peace upon those in need. Psalms 29, 11 says, the Lord will bless his people with peace. Isaiah 48 and 18, oh, that you would have hearkened unto my what? My commandments, that your peace would be like a river. 
What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, he didn't just create peace, but when he came to this earth, he came as the word of God, made flesh, dwelt among us. And so this blessed book that we have is his, this is Jesus right here. This is Jesus. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. And I'm telling you, people are looking for peace. A lot of people can't find peace, although it's already been created. It's already been made possible by the cross. And the simple reason that a lot of believers can't find peace is because they're not living by the words of Jesus. He commands, he preaches peace into the lives of those who adhere to and live by his word. Listen to what he said in John 16. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. He preached peace to a woman caught in adultery. His words were, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. He preached peace to a, a Gadarean demoniac who could not be changed due to his violent behavior. Jesus sailed across the sea, got out of the boat, and went and delivered the man and restored him to his family. He preached peace. He preached peace to a, a publican who was short in height named Zacchaeus, who thought the only way to be content was to steal from others. But he met Jesus, and Jesus preached peace. And when peace entered into his heart, he didn't steal no more. He went from taken to bestowing. You don't have to leave a sinner with restlessness and wanderings and anxiety and fear. You don't have to believe here today as a believer that's just constantly in upheaval emotionally because of life. That is not God's will. Psalms 85 and 8 says, He will speak peace to His people. People are so desperate, so desperate. They'll seek death to find peace from their troubles. Chief financial officer for Bed Bath & Beyond jumped from a skyscraper because he was in some shady dealings within the company and he couldn't handle all of the restlessness that went with it. I'll not forget the pastor in Macon, Georgia. The pastor in Macon, Georgia. Here a few years back. Got up, family got ready. He sent his wife and his kids on to church. And then he shot himself sitting in his SUV. A preacher who preached to others, but who somehow missed peace being preached to him. Did someone let him down? Did someone fail their pastor in not speaking peace to him? You know, the thought came this week, Brother Gene, there was no doubt six to eight family members or friends that were pallbearers 
at his service. But I wonder how many of them were armor bearers before he ended his life. You say, well, that happened down in Georgia. Let me tell you, you'd be shocked at how many people that'll tune into an online service, that'll sit in a sanctuary, some week after week after week, that contemplate ending their life. Some of you know names. Well-renowned gospel singers, especially in the southern gospel world, that impacted thousands of lives over the course of their ministry. And then suddenly we find out that they ended their life because all of this looked like everything was okay, but inside they were looking for peace and couldn't find it. Only the creator of peace can create peace in your life. Only the preacher of peace can speak peace into your heart. And there's plenty of peace to go around. It makes you wonder, the person to your left, the person in the row in front of you. There was an elderly lady whose life had been a constant struggle against poverty. She'd never seen the ocean. One day she was taken to the ocean side for the first time, an, an elderly lady as she was then, and this is what she said, first words out of her mouth, <clears throat> thank God there is something there is enough of. And I tell you, Jesus has created peace and preached peace into countless millions of people's lives. And yet there is still an inexhaustible supply for you here this morning. His peace is available to you. As an initial gift, his peace is available to you as an abiding possession. I know, I'm just as human as you are. Sometimes I wish I had a, quote, better poker face. Sometimes a staff will look at me and say, everything all right? And on the inside, I want to scream and say, no, it's not all right. But I'm on the outside, oh, yeah, everything's great. But the potential is there for you to have peace as an initial possession and as an abiding possession. It's there. Are you perfected in it? Probably not as long as we live in this fallen world, but you can do better with peace when you leave here today than what you did this past week. 
there's always the potential to grow in your peace. Because the preacher is giving you something to carry with you. The next time you feel those emotions start to stir up and the foams and the cares of life begin to churn, you stop and you say, you know what? Jesus, you created peace. And you preached peace. But most importantly, the Scripture says there that Jesus is our peace. He created it to give to us as a gift. He, he speaks it to us and preaches it to us every time we open this book or stand upon the promises of His words. But you can't get any better than knowing that He personally is your peace. He created it. He speaks it. But He is His person. Stay with me just for a few more moments. Verse 14 says, Jesus is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Let me give you a little bit of history. The Jews hated the Gentiles. The Jews were so driven by the law that they felt Gentiles could never live up to the Jewish law and, and therefore they were not as good as the Jewish people. So the Gentiles, that would be all of us, in those days, were not allowed into the place where the Jews worshipped, closer and closer in. There was, a, there was literally a place called the court of the Gentiles. And there was a wall that existed between them. And that wall was built. It was initially called the law. It's what separated them. It led to bigotry. It led to prejudice. And the Jewish temple had this wall. And all of the Gentiles had to stay outside of the wall. Archaeologists have discovered the inscription from Herod's temple. And this is what it reads. This is for the Gentiles. This, is for, this would be for you and I. Anybody that wasn't a Jew. No foreigner may enter within this barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That's powerful. It was this barricade that the Jews thought Paul and his Gentile friends had crossed when he was arrested and they threatened to kill him in Acts 21. It was, it was what happened here. He had taken some Greeks and they just assumed that he had broken through this barrier. This wall existed. But when Jesus died, the veil that separated us from God was torn. Hallelujah! And when Jesus died, the wall of separation that separated us from each other was destroyed and broken down. He is our peace who has made both one. What does that mean? That means the Jew and the Gentile together. Romans 10 says there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The veil was torn and the wall was broken down. 
And i got to share this with you. The same peace that tore one wall down built another wall. His peace tore down one wall that existed between us. And then let me go, oh, I feel that meddlesome pastor spirit coming on. You have no right to be prejudiced against anyone of a different color than you are. You have no right to be bigoted against anyone of a different economic standing than you are. There is nothing that calls for feminism or chauvinism in the Bible. Because his peace. When you say, Jesus, come into my house. Well, I don't know about that. You don't know how I was raised. Well, how you were raised needs to be put under the blood. It's not going to hold a candle when you stand before God. Because the blood of Jesus, now I'm preaching good now. The blood of Jesus has torn the veil between us and God, giving us access to him. And the blood of Jesus, when it was shed, it became a peace that broke down every wall that separated us from anyone. While his peace tore down one wall, it built up another. His peace builds walls that protects our hearts and our minds, walls that protect us from fear, our failures, our past mistakes, our wrong decisions. Our, his peace has, has built a, a bulwark around us. Our peace has never been about our good works. Our peace is about him living in us and abiding in us and the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Peace is not something. Peace is someone. If you're waiting for a constant state of perfection and serenity where the outward circumstances in your life are going to come together, you'll be waiting a long time, a lifelong time. It's true. It's true. Sometimes God does calm the storm. But as I've gotten older... And a little bit wiser. It seems more often than not that he lets the storm rage, but he calms his child. Anybody else found that to be true? You know, I kind of wish he'd fix a few more things than what he does. Am I not the only one? But I have found by trusting him, calling out to him, that my relationship with him has grown stronger when he didn't fix everything around me, but he fixed everything inside of me. Yes, storms are raging, but 
Psalms 4 and 8 says, I will lay me down in peace and sleep. Luke 1, he will guide our feet into the way of peace. Isaiah 26, you will keep him in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon him. Come on, Tony, if you would. This is an unfamiliar passage of Scripture. But it's important that you get this in your spirit and heart. It's found in Job 22, and it's verse 21. And it just says this, Acquaint now yourself with him, and be at peace. There you go. I just took 30 minutes to give you a simple message. Because I'm looking at people that are dealing with a lot of troubled emotions right now. Not everyone. Your children, your grandchildren, your finances, the cares of life, the pressures of the job, the doctor's report. Jesus said, I created peace. Jesus said, I speak peace. I preached peace. But there's no greater than this. When he looks to you, his child, and says, I am I am your peace. This year, God has really, really done a number on me as it relates to, I actually preached this theme at camp meeting when I was honored to speak there, but the business of the soul, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know that I've ever had in almost 30 years of pastoring such a burden for people individually. I In a church our size, some would say, how do you keep up? I don't. But the Holy Spirit strategically brings your needs and your situations to my heart. And we're supposed to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn and laugh with those who laugh. We're to celebrate when somebody receives an answer to prayer. We're to grieve with the broken. I'm so concerned that we, we become aloof and disconnected from each other. And we feel like we're carrying all of this restlessness on our own. Bow your heads with me if you would.
you're here this morning and you're just not you're just not in a relationship with Jesus then you are not at peace and there is nothing in this world there's no substitute there's nothing that you can find that you can be involved in engaged with that's going to bring you fulfillment Jesus says why don't you just come to me you've been running long enough You've been practicing your sin and your habits long enough, your addictions, your enslavements. You've been choosing other things besides me. And if you will just, if you will just come to me, I'll give you peace. I'm just going to wait for a moment. This altar's open for the unbeliever for the one that has never prayed and asked Jesus to come into their heart, for the backslider that has wandered away and now lives in a constant state of restlessness. Because on top of the world's cares, your conscience is reminding you that you have no relationship with Christ. He says, I want to speak peace to you. I want to give you peace. But can I tell you, I'm talking to some believers today. I'm talking to some believers today. You say, Pastor, I, man, this word was for me. It seems like that I, I, I trust Jesus. I live for God. I'm a Christian. But it just seems like every time I turn around, my blood pressure is up. My nerves are shot. I'm having anxiety attacks. I'm losing sleep. I'm losing weight. I'm gaining weight. I, I just, I'm, I'm constantly restless. And I just, it's time. And I've heard you today. I've heard you take me back to the simple answer. To the Creator that made peace possible when he died on the cross to the preacher who spoke peace and said in this world you shall have troubles but be of good cheer I've overcome the world therefore you can live in my peace to the one the person Jesus Christ Jesus created peace for you. He preached peace to you. He is your peace. Could it be that today, could it be that today by you responding this morning, that peace would overwhelm your soul?